I want you to go to Genesis 15 with me. Genesis chapter 15. And in verse 1, the scripture says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. What did he say? Why would he say that? Because the natural disposition of people is what? To be afraid. He didn't start it. That happened by his forefather and his foremother, uh, you know, disobeying God in the garden. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children to... uh, Let me read this again. Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Now do you see how the mind works, the natural carnal mind? Instinctively looking for self-direction. Instinctively looking for a solution in the flesh. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him aside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Scripture says, Abram believed the Lord and credited to him as righteousness. Now, it's understood from from Scripture, but also from the teaching of the scribes and the sages, that uh, when the Bible says that um, the two shall become one, the two shall become one. There's going to be an heir that comes from his flesh. It's going to come from his marriage to his wife at this point, Sarai. Now, it's important you understand this because, uh, you know, this did not last very long. Their perseverance did not last very long in this narrative. I want you to go to chapter uh, 16. The word of the Lord is, you're going to have an heir from your own body. Everybody say, the the word of the Lord. And how many know, once God has spoken that, that should be the final word for us. But how many know that's not the only influence in our lives? It's not just the word of the Lord. It's the word of Tom, Dick, and Harry. It's how we feel. It's how we think. It's what our will wants to do. All these influences are there. But what matters is, what did God say? So I want to just just, uh, real briefly look at chapter 16. In verse 1, now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Is that true? No. Go sleep with my maidservant, uh, perhaps. I can build a family through her. And uh, in the the category of the dumbest thing you can say to your husband, Abram agreed. He agreed to what Sarah said, and after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarah's wife took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be, uh, to be his wife, and he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Everybody say, a bad idea. Amen. Now, you and I know the product of that conception. What was the name of that product of conception? Ishmael. What's his name? Ishmael. What's his name? Ishmael. Ishmael. I want you to fast forward to chapter 17 for a moment. Chapter 17, verse 15, God also said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. Can you see this is in God's mind all along? I will bless her, and she will surely give you a son. 
by her I will bless her so that she will be the mother of the nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will the son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? I mean, with God all things are possible. And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. Now one's going to be the son of the blessing, and one is not. Now you understand the difference here. God is going to bless this, this man, and they're going to enlarge. But this was never God's will, and never God's plan. God said, uh, I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you, I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant, everybody say my covenant, I will establish with Isaac. So we have a child of the covenant and a child that was not a child of the covenant. Now, uh, Abraham obviously asked God to, to bless Ishmael, and that's what happened. But I want you to understand, Ishmael was never God's will. Say that with me. Ishmael was never God's will. Now the name Ishmael ironically means that God hears or God listens. The Aramaic takes it a step further. God obeys, meaning that God will respond to our request that God is attentive to our ear as believers. He's listening to what we're actually saying and doing. But they assume here that he's an answer to prayer, but in reality he's the product of what happens when we don't listen to God. And I want you to understand there's a reason why we produce Ishmael's in our lives less than God's best. And write this down, it's because we're afraid of something. In this case, I'm afraid I'll never have an heir, let's help God out. I'm afraid I'll never have you know, someone to carry on the line, and so let's help God out. The fear factor is responsible for producing a lot of Ishmael's in our lives. Now they hide under different names and manifestations, but at the very root and foundation of this, it's still an Ishmael issue. It's a fear issue. We're afraid something's not going to happen the way we think it should, so we're going to step up and get in the middle of this thing and help the Lord out a lot. Um, you'll find that a lot of Christians today are making Ishmael decisions. It has nothing to do with the direction of the Lord. It's based on their thinking, their musings, and oftentimes it's fear, it's insecurity, it's a sense of restlessness, is what I call the itch. I've got to help God out, I've got to figure this thing out. And you and I only have to do one thing, and that's just to wait before the Lord and let Him guide, let Him direct, instead of producing an Ishmael that not only is going to affect your life, it's going to affect generations to come. We are still paying to this day the price of that decision. Now I can tell you this, in eternity that won't be the case. This is not going to be everlasting. But as long as the earth endures in its present form before judgment and reclamation, you're going to have a problem with Ishmael. You're going to have a problem between the, the son of the covenant and the son of the woman that was never supposed to be in a position to conceive that child. Now, you, you know, you're never going to do something on the order of creating an Ishmael and world chaos. But how many know if there's chaos in your life, it's bad enough? Chaos in your home, chaos in, in, your, fa in your finances, chaos in your body, chaos in your life, because you're producing something that maybe right now you don't recognize that fear is driving that thing. But when you pull back the layers, you're going to find out, listen to me carefully, you're going to pull back that everything you do as a believer is either based in faith or fear. There are no other options. 
Now I ask you, God said, I'm going to give you a son. And if they'd waited on him and they, they produced that son, would that have been faith or fear? That would have been faith because it's tied to the word of God. They didn't do it God's way. So what was it based in? Every decision you make, everything you do, every path you take is either rooted in faith or it's in fear. If you plug into faith, you unplug from fear. If you plug into what? If you plug into fear, what are you unplugging from? It's either one or the other. So it will be faith or fear. Now that helps because, you know, Christians like to think there's 50,000 different elements out there that are, that's motivating us. But the reality is, all we need to do is think about this. Is God directed and leading or not? And if we don't have a word from God, what else can there be? Fear. The only way to have faith is to have a what? A word from the Lord. Think about Peter for a moment. Did Peter have a word from the Lord when he was in that boat that day? Yes, he said what? He said, come. Now, see, he didn't do anything until that, that point, right? Was he in fear before? Was he in fear after he got on the water a while? Yes. They were afraid in the boat before. Then the word came. Now he's in faith. Took his eyes off the word. What happened again? More fear. Look at somebody and tell them it's either faith or fear. There's no other choice. So how many understand if we're operating in faith, it's going to go well for us. We're going to be overcomers. If we're operating in fear, we're going to have problems. And that's what you see here. There, you know, Sarah didn't say, Abram, uh, I'm in great faith today. I want you to take Hagar. That was not a faith decision. And Abram said, okay, wife of mine, I'll take her. He probably said to himself, she's crazy as a bat, but I'll take her. Was that a faith decision? No, because it went di diametrically opposite to the word of God, first of all. And second of all, he was thinking the same thing. It's not going to happen any other way. Can I tell you something? You can trust God to bring things to pass in your lives. You can hold on to the word of God. If he said something, he has every intention of bringing it to pass in your life. Uh, how many of you remember being single and doing some stupid stuff? Anybody here? You've done some stupid stuff? So... Is it possible to be single and create Ishmael's? Let me ask that one more time. Is it possible to be single and create an Ishmael? It is, right? Because you're trying to figure things out and you're open to all kinds of influences. But see, you know, Ad, uh, you know Sarah here and, and Abram proved that you can be married and still create Ishmael's. In fact, it's an extremely dangerous thing to be married and not on God's page. If both of them had said, we're not going to get involved with Hagar in this situation, we're not going to come off the word of God. If both of them were committed to the path of God, no worries here. If one is on the path of the will of God and the other is off, they're still in a good position as long as that one is strong enough to maintain and stay the course. But if both of them, in this case, come off of their commitment to the will of God, what are they going to produce? They're going to produce an Ishmael. I'm telling you, there's never been a day like today where it's more important for you and I not to waste our time producing something that God never ordained for us to produce. And listen, sometimes God's hearing is God relenting to our demand for something that's not in our interest. 
we are perfectly capable of creating something that is not of God. We can manufacture or procreate something, and God will let you do it. But don't mistake that as his will for your life. Amen? He'll let you create an Ishmael. But I'm telling you right now, you do not want a wild donkey of an Ishmael in your life. Why is the Bible calling that? Because a wild donkey can't be tamed. He's wild in his thinking. He's wild in his behavior. He's over here and he's over there and he's nomadic in his lifestyle. He is not something that can be trained for a good purpose. And we see this in the, in the descendants of Ishmael, the things that are done, the irrational things that are done. Does it make any sense to load up a 767 with jet fuel and slam it into a World Trade Tower? Where'd that person come from? The Saudis came from that line. Amen. Does it make sense? Of course it doesn't make any sense to kill all those people on board plus those that were in the towers. It's completely irrational. Don't be surprised when a wild donkey does what a wild donkey does. But that's people outside the household of faith. What about people inside the household of faith? We need to let go of our wild donkey ways. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm letting go of my wild donkey ways. See, you and I, right now, are susceptible to this. There's a, there's a spiritual force out there right now. And you are particularly susceptible by creating Ishmael's, making Ishmael decisions, going down the Ishmael path, you know, allowing somebody, you might be in a, in a business or you might be thinking about getting married to somebody that's not exactly right with God, they're not where they need to be. You're tempted to do all these things. I'm telling you, the influence and the spiritual force has never been greater than it is right now. And if right now you're dealing with fear or depression or discouragement or hurt or you feel defeated or you feel frustrated or you're in grief, Somehow there's an emotional thing going on in your life. This is the worst time for you to be making decisions because 99% of the time, you're going to make an Ishmael. And I wish, like, like Criffel said before, I could just unzip every head and just pour this in and then zip it back up and then it would be fixed forever. Your spirit man communicating with God's spirit should be the way you lead your life. That's the way it should be. You would never make an Ishmael that way. But the problem is, your soul realm will not stay quiet. Not for five minutes. That's why your spirit, your spirit man has to be strong. Say strong. Strong in faith. Because what's going to happen is, your mind's going to think thoughts. You're going to feel things in your emotional realm. You're going to decide things with your will and think about things with your will that are always going to go counter to what the Word of God has for your life. Your soul just is not going to stay silent. The Bible says that uh, the apostle prayed, I wish above all things, thou mayest what? Prosper. Thou mayest prosper and be in health even as what? Your soul prospers. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are lining up with the Word of God. They're lining up with God's thoughts and His precepts and what He wants for you. And how you know what God has for you is better than anything that you can conjure up. Was Isaac better than Ishmael? Was that a better idea? Yes, and I promise you God's idea for you is much better than your idea for you. Amen. But if any of these things are going on in your life, you know, the smartest thing you can do, and, and have you ever heard somebody tell you a wise word, when you're depressed or discouraged, it's not the time to make a major life-changing decision. And what happens? 
99% of Christians will go right out and do that exact thing. You say, why would they do that, Pastor? Because behind that depression, discouragement, frustration, behind all that mess is a thing called fear. And that force is powerful. Amen. I'm just simply telling you what the Word of God says. It's not just Abram and Sarah that are capable of making Ishmael's. Amen. And have you noticed something about Ishmael? <laughs> They're easier to create than get rid of. Your path, your decision will have a ripple effect that you won't understand at the time, but it will impact you and others sometimes for generations to come, and you thought it was no big deal. It is a big deal. Say it with me, Ishmael's are easier to make than they are to get rid of. You don't want an Ishmael house. Amen. You don't want an Ishmael spouse. I will not eat them with a mouse. I will not eat them in house. I do not like green eggs and ham. I will not eat them, Sam I am. Say it, I don't want an Ishmael spouse. I don't want an Ishmael house. I, I taught some of this years ago. Someone came up to me, no kid, and they said, well, I, I married an Ishmael. Now what do I do? Can I just get rid of him? I said, sorry. There's a whole other sermon on what to do with the Ishmael once you make one. I'm just trying to tell you tonight, the smart thing is stop making them. When you're, when you're digging yourself in a hole, quit digging. <laughs> But the short answer is, you think you married an Ishmael? You vowed an Ishmael. Amen. Glory to God. Now you want to get your Ishmael saved and delivered? Moving right along. You don't want to drive an Ishmael car. Like a Tesla, for example. You can't seem to find a place to plug it in. And uh, when you go to replace the batteries that were mined by child labor, and the electricity that came from coal, and you go to replace them, it costs you twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars just to replace the batteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, praise the Lord. That's why I'm so thrilled with our Pentagon leadership right now, our chairman of Joint Chiefs. His big thing is about being woke and critical race theory and trying to convert all of our military vessels, all of our, all of our equipment, all of our machines, all of our trucks, everything to electric by the year 2050. That's what our military should be doing. Not being ready for battle or war, but trying to be politically correct. Moving right along, Pastor Art, moving right along. I don't want an Ishmael car, amen. I don't want to, you know, be a, a part of an Ishmael church. What's an Ishmael church? A church that was born out of division and strife. That's one thing I can tell you about this ministry. You're not in a ministry that came off the backs of somebody else. It was established, and it was established in the beginning, and it's, it did not come off of a split. You say, what happens when... A church gets split in its DNA. It keeps happening. Over and over and over again. 
Would you be amazed how many Christians, not understanding that principle, will join themselves to an Ishmael and then wonder why in the world there's an issue there? Amen. We don't want to tie ourselves to an Ishmael ministry. We don't want to you know, move to an Ishmael town. We don't want to be involved with an Ishmael job. We want what God wants for us. Amen. So I want what God wants for me. But believers will often couch the creation of an Ishmael in these words. Well, God led me. It wasn't God because you never had a word from God. Watch this. No word, no faith. No faith, it's not God. No faith, it's going to produce an Ishmael in your life. I don't know about you, but I've had enough of that. Raise your hand if you had enough Ishmaels of any kind. <laughs> you just want what God wants. Um, I probably said this to, I don't know, probably one time or another, half the people in this room, in some context or counsel. I'm sure you've heard me say this, Rodney. Uh, I said it recently. I think I, was, I said it recently to you guys. I've said this to a lot of people. You, you don't move or make a decision from silence. Is there any reason why you don't do that? Because I can't have faith. I have to have a what? A word. It doesn't have to be a big, long word. Like with Peter, it was what? It was just one word. And he did it. And as long as he stayed on that word, he was fine. When he took his eyes off of that one word, what happened? He sank. Say it with me. God does not lead. God does not direct me from silence. So what is the answer when it comes to deciding to you know, buy a house or take a job or get married to somebody? What, what, what do you do when there's silence? That's what we should do. What we do is we fill in the blank. Why? Well, I'm afraid. Well, my biological clock is ticking. I ain't getting any younger. Well, you know, if I don't take this, I'll miss out. There's a fear there that no one wants to admit that somehow by waiting on God, you're fearful something's not going to work out when you've got it upside down. You should be concerned that if you get into fear, things are going to fall apart. Silence is not a word. You say, did you have to learn that too? Yes, just like everybody else. I mean, raise your hand if you have ever moved when there was silence. You've made a decision even though there was silence. A couple of your saints, I want your autograph after the service, praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. And if you, if you did, most of you have a story of how things didn't exactly go peachy keen because you were not operating in faith. Operating in silence is filling the gap. It is a fear-based decision. I'm going to miss out. I'm going to lose something. I'm going to you know, somehow you know, not have what, to, what God wants me to have or what I want to have. No, you should just focus on what did God say. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, silence is an answer. What's the answer, Pastor? Sit down and shut up. Not complicated. But you know, uh, we don't like that answer just like Abram didn't like that answer. Amen. Now the problem is it's even worse today. We're, we're not in a spiritual vacuum in a little bubble where you know, the enemy can't get to our minds and our hearts and manipulate things around us. We're, we're in a war. Say We're in a spiritual war. So what you want to make sure is you're doing things in faith. The enemy tricks us into Ishmael creation and then keeps us distracted for years after we're trying to deal with this thing. 
Ishmael's once created will war against God's plan and purpose for your life. It seems to never stop. I've had people that, uh, you know, uh, walked out on their spouses. You know, got involved with somebody else, started creating a, a marriage there, and the whole time it's just back and forth, nonstop strife and issues and garbage all the time. What did you expect? What did you expect? Violating God's word, that was going to produce peace in your life. And why would somebody do that? I'm afraid I'm missing out on something. I'm afraid there's somebody out there to treat me better. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. Come on, shout it out. It's faith or it's fear. And every day you live, if you want to live victoriously, if you want to operate from a soul that's prosperous, say it will be the prosperous soul. The prosperous soul every day is going to say, is this faith or is this fear? And if it's not faith, what should you do? You should just be still and wait on the Lord. There's power in waiting on God. Am I ever read Isaiah chapter 40? What does he do when we wait on him? He renews our strength. He's not ignoring us. He's still doing something wonderful. But in that time of waiting, your mind's going to be screaming at you. Your emotion's going to be screaming at you. Your will's going to be screaming at you. And you just have to go back and say, you know what? That's all fine and dandy, but I need to operate in faith. Say it with me. Faith or fear. Those are the only two options. I don't like that. Why well, didn't create the system? You can go through the Word of God. You can find out the Bible characters and the stories there. You can find that every single time, just by looking at it, was that a faith operation or a fear operation? Amen? Let's try this out for just a moment. Jonah going to Tarshish. Faith or fear? Peter striking off the ear of Malchus, faith or fear? Peter denying Jesus, faith or fear? Amen. Thomas not showing up to beat the rest of the disciples in Jesus after he was raised from the dead, faith or fear? Huh? Abraham and Sarah, faith or fear? You can go through the Word of God and you can pin it down. Now let's have some fun. Let's do your life. We'll let you do that on your own, amen? <laughs> you can just make a list and then ask the Lord to give you wisdom on that. But that's the way it is. And that's where the Ishmael's come from, is operating even momentarily in fear. The Ishmael in our lives represents our settling for less than God's best in our lives. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end what happens? It leads to what? It leads to what? It leads to death. Well, there's a way that seems right. Produced out of fear motivates us. We step into things and, and we're not living God's best, far below our privileges. How did that happen? We allowed our mind, our will, and our emotions to usurp our spirit, man, which should be strong. And I mean, you know, if you ignore it, you don't feed it, it's going to get weak. Amen. It's supposed to be bold as a lion. But when your spirit's weak, you sound like a mouse. Amen. When your spirit man is strong, you're able to deal with the soulish aspect of who you are. Now, aren't you glad one day in heaven you won't have to deal with it anymore? Isn't it going to be wonderful one day to have the body and the spirit and the mind and the will and the emotions all lined up? That's the battle today. That's the war. Uh, 
Anything you produce in fear is going to have Ishmael-like qualities. So make sure whatever you're doing, you're doing in faith. Say it with me, faith or fear? There is no other way. Come on, shout out. I don't want an Ishmael house. Don't want an Ishmael spouse. Don't want an Ishmael car. Don't want an Ishmael ministry. Don't want an Ishmael life. You want the best. Amen. Say with me, I want the best. Now, Proverbs 4 tells us that the path of the righteous does what? It gets what? Brighter and brighter and brighter. What happens to the path of the ungodly? It gets darker and darker and darker and darker. The presence of an Ishmael is an indication that you have taken a wrong path. And as long as you live this life, guess what you're going to have? You're going to have forks. Now you say, well, you know, should we, uh, you know, sit down every single time there's a decision to make, you know, with a, with a counselor or the pastor? Well, you're making major life-changing decisions. That's always a good idea. But you can start by asking yourself, this decision, is this faith or fear? Did I ever get a word from God on this? See, long before you come to talk to a pastor, you should what? You pray, find if you even have a word. You know that a lot of uh, so-called pastoral counselor, counselors, just people coming to the pastor, asking them to agree with them in their error. Yep. That's true. Amen. And then somehow you contradict what they already have derived at, they're not real happy with you. Ask me how I know. <laughs> but you know, the, the heart that's burning for God, no matter what, they just want what God wants. The teachable. Say it, I'm teachable. I'm correctable, I'm pliable, amen, I'm a healthy believer. You know, you get to the point where you don't see repentance as negative. Say it with me, it's positive, it's good. You know, there are angels that would love the opportunity to repent. I never got it. That's something that is people that are made in God's image. Yeah. Well, a tribe of Judah national leaders, Gary Hooper has a church, and, and he posted this on Facebook a few weeks ago, and he said, repentance is a gift. And then he wrote right after it, don't be stupid. I just wanted to call him up and say that was just priceless. Say it with me. Repentance is a gift. Don't be stupid. In other words, what? Don't treat it as something bad and don't fail to take advantage of it. It's a good thing. Amen. Now, at some point, though, that even though you may repent, you may have already created a little darling. Amen that you have to tend to and take care of and nurse. And it keeps, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Except it's taking, it's not giving anything to you. Amen? Say it with me. No Ishmael's here. Ishmael is the product of fear. It was for them. It is for you and for me. Now, God has a plan and a purpose for everybody in this room. You believe that? You say, how long? As long as you're on this planet, your God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And there are no exceptions. It's not just the pastors and the apostles and the prophets, you know, and the big business, big wigs and the big educators and all that stuff. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And the devil will do everything he can to thwart that plan. And one of the ways he does it is to get you to live in your what? In your soul. Instead of living in the spirit, man. Amen. Make sure you're operating on what did God say.
And when he's good and ready, guess what? He'll tell you. Um, one of the hardest decisions that we ever made was the decision to, to, to leave the church in Hopkinsville and come over here. This was several years ago. And, uh, you know, people kind of look at us funny like, you know, what God is doing here, why wouldn't you want to stay and continue doing this and see what God has in the future? And, I mean, every natural thing in the, in the world was thrown at us in that decision. Can I tell you something? The bottom line is the Lord basically had to pick us up by the seat of our britches and kick us out. You understand what I'm saying? Make it so obvious. And that's where we, that's a safer place to be than what? Presumption. And then asking God to bless it. That is not how a mature Christian operates. That's okay when you're a baby. Listen carefully. Abram, when he was about you know, 80-something years old, he knew God as Elohim, creator God. By Genesis 17, he's 99 years old, God has revealed El Shaddai to him, the all-sufficient one. It is fine, and I'm not going to say it's fine, it's understandable to operate in presumption when you're a baby and you haven't been trained in these things. But there comes a time where you no longer operate in presumption. Well, there's the door. The presumption should be I should walk through it. Open door, closed door, theology. Listen, there are doors that are open that the devil himself opened for you. And there are doors that the devil tried to close on you. And if you're living this way, you're going back to the days of right before the Holy Ghost was poured out when they cast lots to replace what? Judas. But you notice after Genesis, after you know, chapter 2, there's no more of doing that. You see this? If it's an open door, it's got to be God. If it's a closed door, well, I can't possibly be God. I've learned the devil can open doors, amen, as well as what? Close them. What you want to be is in a position of waiting on God and let him you know, pick you up and make it so clear to you that if you don't do that ministry, if you don't marry that person, if you don't take that job, if you don't make that transition, you're going to be blatantly out of the will of God. But that is not how most Christians operate. They jump on an inkling and then hope maybe God down the road will prove that this was his will. You've got it upside down. You don't want to go on presumption. That is a manifestation of fear. You want to go on faith. <laughs> And uh, so we did. There was absolutely no reason in the natural to leave. Uh, in its entire history, the church was doing better than it ever had. And people in leadership came to us and said, well, you're, you're going to a church that's bigger. Well, no, actually, it's half the size. Well, you're going to a bigger town. No, no, Murray's not bigger than Hopkinsville, Fort Campbell. No. And even, even, even more so now because of the redistribution of soldiers, you know, Fort Campbell area is even bigger than it was. Well, well, the, you're, you're going there for a pay increase. No, actually, we're taking a cut. See how the, how the carnal mind thinks. Do you see this? I can tell you this. When we did, it wasn't presumption. Say so it was not presumption. Anybody remember me telling a story about how when I was a student here in 1985, the Lord spoke to me in that dome over there and said that I would what? I would what? I would what? And that's exactly what he finally said to pick us up and move us out and say, you know what? That was the word over your life and it must be fulfilled. 
Not, well, let's just go over and check it out and see if it's God. That's a terribly immature way to live your life. You need to put childish ways away. Come on, say it with me. Put childish ways away. We can't look at Abraham and condemn him. We, of course, have a whole lot more revelation than he had. We're not going to condemn him about Hagar or anybody else. But he's still the father of faith. He got saved, what? By faith. But we can at least learn from his example that when you get into fear and presumption, you're going to produce little issues. <laughs> Amen. You're going to affect your life. Praise the Lord. And then on, uh, on top of the reminder of the, the word of the Lord, the, and as a confirming word, if I say a confirming word, that's when I had a dream and Brother Hagin appeared in the dream. God made, made clear through that dream that that word over my life had disappeared for a season, but it come back around and it must be fulfilled. All I can tell you is you don't want Brother Hagin showing up in your dream. Because if he shows up, it's going to be business. You understand what I'm saying to you? Um, and... Uh, you know, it's a little bit different dynamic now, of course, because when he actually appeared, he, he was actually still on this, on this earth. He was on this planet. But I counted him, and still do, a prophet of God. So it makes sense that somebody like that would represent that word in my life. But I'm telling you, you, you don't want to take a step unless it's God. Now, to Abram's credit, when God said to leave your family, right? Leave your relatives, leave your father, and go to a place I'll show you, what did he do? He left, but then he got involved with Sarah. <laughs> Amen. And they got into that little married thing, agreement of the soul, and made that decision. So he's, he's made it sometimes, and he's missed it sometimes. I mean, though, there's mercy and grace for us. What I'm telling you, though, is you don't want to be in a position where you're trying to serve that Ishmael the rest of your life when God's got plans for you. Well, you know, if I don't do something like this, I'll just never get married. You know what? It'd be better for you to marry, get, you know, never be married than get involved with an Ishmael. Amen? And be counseled by me the next 50 years. Are you here? A whole lot better for you just to wait on the Lord. Have you found him faithful? I said, have you found him faithful? Have you found him true? I'm going to say, no fear here. No Ishmael's here. Look at someone say, I'm putting childish ways away. Look, you get to the point where you stand on the word, right? Uh, the last word that God gave us about this ministry was he called me in 1985 to pass the church. When we did come over here, he said, preach the uncompromised word. Amen. Whenever so you can, teach the people, do the same thing. You know, the mandate to teach the uncompromised word has never changed. That's the last word. Amen. And you know that a word has never come for me and my wife and the family to pick up and leave. You understand what I'm saying to you? In other words, it's not, well, look at that open door. Uh, our superintendent who... who uh, Went home to be with the Lord. I think they actually had his funeral today when uh, the second highest officer in Kentucky was, you know, was taking a position in the national denomination. He called and he said, you know, he's, he's leaving. I'd like to nominate you. The only problem is I'd have to leave here and then move to Louisville and do that job in the administration. I thought, you know, it's just, that's not the last word I've got. I, I thanked him for his confidence and his Wonderful man of God. He was always very supportive and encouraging to me, and I'm glad that he, he saw that potential. Amen. 
And, um, but that's not what could happen. You know, what, what needs to happen is the living on the last word God gave you. Well, that's for you. You know, God only does that for you preachers. That's nonsense. Abraham was not what? A prophet, an apostle, pastor, teacher, or an evangelist. No, God has words for his people, period. Come on, say, God has a will and a word for me. So listen to what I'm saying to you. It'd be stupid for me to sit here the last 26, 7 years crying out every day, give me a word. Come on, God, give me a word. Give me a word and I'll stay. Give me a word. What should I be doing? Living on the word he already gave me. You say, that's a long time, Pastor. To God, it's nothing. Are you, are you saying it's nothing to him? It just seems like a long time to us. If we don't live that way, then we're living by presumption. And we're setting ourselves up for a shipwreck. Amen. Remember what Paul said to the people when they were on that ship? Huh? Don't leave port. What did they do? So when the ship started falling apart in the storm, what did he say? Y'all should have listened to me. <laughs> but then he went on to say what? I've been in prayer. I've had the word of the Lord come to me. And you, you stay with the ship, we have no loss of life. You'll lose the ship and its cargo, but you'll have no loss of life. I tell you, even when you miss it, God can give you what? He can give you mercy and give you a word. So raise your hand and say, in Jesus' name, I'm done with Ishmael's. I'm operating in faith and not in fear. I'm operating on the word and not what I think, not what I feel, not what I decide. In Jesus' name, I will not move. I will not marry. I will not buy. I will not sell without a word from the Lord. All I have to do is ask and he'll give it to me. Say it with me. God blesses his word not presumption. Say it, it's faith or it's fear. Every day, those are the motivators, those are the drivers. I choose to live by faith. Say it, I walk by faith and not by sight. I walk by faith and not by senses. Amen. Now you can understand when Jesus said, I only do what I saw the Father do, and I only say what I heard the Father say. How can you get to that place? Well, this kind of mentality. Amen. Stand in step. Let's give him a hand clap and let's thank him tonight. Praise the Lord.